For this week's Podagogy podcast, we have done something a little different. Just before Christmas, I went down to West Rise Junior School, which sits in a deprived area on the outskirts of Eastbourne on the south coast of England. In 2016, the school won the Tes Primary School of the Year Award. Since then, it has become famous for its risk-embracing and pedagogy, including running a marshland on which the students raise water buffalo and partake in hunting sports like shooting and training gun dogs. It's also famous for its head teacher, the self-styled hippie Mike Fairclough. I wanted to get behind the headlines a little and find out what drives the approach of the school and how that translates into the how the children are taught. So imagine a snowy day, one in which the wind feels like a thousand paper cuts. Imagine a troop of children coming into the school after an hour and a half on the marsh. They go into a small house on the site and the teachers start giving out hot chocolate and hot dogs. And picture Mason, a nine-year-old boy, who takes it upon himself to approach a slightly confused journalist and explain why being chilled to the bone was a learning experience every child should have. So settle in. This is how to teach other pupils a lesson for life. I'd have to say about the marsh, well, it's very exciting and we get to learn new things there. So, and also... Well, I had to go through a massive lake full of cowpots. Mason is nine years old. His cheeks are flushed with cold and his classmates are huddled next to radiators. Whatever the weather, the children of West Rise Junior School go out onto the marsh, which is rented by the school from the local council. It has a bronze age settlement buried beneath its grasslands, numerous geographic features of note and a herd of water buffalo roaming free. It also has a recreated bronze age roundhouse. Mike Fairclough, the head teacher of the school, took control of the marshland several years ago. Yeah, so the marsh, uh, we got the marsh about 10 years ago. And um, it was, um, Alex actually uh, discovered that the uh, grazing licence uh, was up for renewal. Um, so um, I contacted the local authority, asked them whether we could have it. And, uh, and they were more than happy to uh, give us the, um, the licence. Uh, for a thousand pounds a year, so, so that's for 120 acres, which is amazing. So on the marsh, we've got a herd of six water buffalo, and we breed those as well. So they, you know, kind of averages out as about, about six at a time. Uh, there's several sheep uh, which we farm, um, and uh, and then on the on the site as well, we're we're building a Bronze Age um, settlement. So we've got. Um, a roundhouse and another kind of Bronze Age structure that we're developing. Um, and additionally, there's a couple of lakes as well. On one of them, we teach the children paddleboarding and sailing, uh, and the other one we use for fishing. Um, but as a space, it's just an amazing resource. It's also a place we can take our children out and teach them to shoot shotguns and teach them ferreting and other kind of hunting skills uh, quite safely and out of the way of the public. So... Yeah, amazing, amazing resource. We're really lucky to have it. The kids seem to love it. Well, I'm eight. I'm um, eight. And I'm eight. Do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Ashton. Mm. Sadie. Nala. Nala. And what's your, what do you think about the marsh in comparison to sort of your maths classes or your science classes in, in the school? Is it better, just different? It's just, it's yeah, just different. It's physical learning. It's yeah. like, like outside it. learning. Yeah, yeah every every week food. we make food. Yeah, we, yeah, but, yeah, to, but this, cooked. yeah, this week, um, this week the grown-ups are making it for us. What food was it today? Um, hot, hot dogs. dogs. Hot dogs. Yeah, we yeah. haven't had them yet. Yeah. They were keen to show me some of their work. 
so led me to a display board full of photos of their adventures. One time um, we had some, quite a few times we've had cinnamon apples, which yeah. are nice. And oh look, these. What's that? Can you what describe it for me? Well, it's basically a star that you can hang on your Christmas tree. And it's made out of bits of wood? Yeah. Did you what? find those bits of wood on the marsh? Yeah, and then we like use these little pliers to cut them and we tied loom bands together so it's basically triangles folding on top of each other. Well done, because today's our last lesson we can all say our favourite lesson. My favourite my favourite thing we did was when we went to pond dipping because we had one foot in the pond yeah. um, and we had like a net and we would we were trying to catch some like um, fish. The most common thing we found, we caught, were leeches. Leeches? And what do leeches do? Uh, they they just like... Uh, you, got, you got bitten by one. Yeah, I got bitten by one. Really? What it's happened? Um, I can't the marsh lessons are predominantly run by Helen Stringfellow, the forest school leader. She explains a bit more about what happens out there. So, um, I, it's season based, so whatever the season is we need to use what we've got so we can go foraging in the autumn and get loads of berries and make foods and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then like today it's been snowing, so what I had planned to do, we absolutely couldn't really do, it's way too cold, so we went for an enormous walk instead. Yeah. So sometimes you just have to adapt. And sometimes it is relevant to the curriculum, so the year threes we do Bronze Age stuff with them. Um, but it's nature-based and it's also to do with sort of like social development as well. So yes, it links in with curriculum at times and it enhances the curriculum a lot. I think I can honestly say that everyone gets something out of it and depending on different characters of who they are, it will be, you know, they'll, they'll access it in their own way and that's the beauty of it because they can actually um, choose and self-select and self-direct and so do lots of the stuff that they really enjoy and so actually it's very rare that you have to push people to do anything because they have an element of choice within what's on offer. Does, uh, how does Mike sort of uh, measure your progress as it were does he not does he you know does he look at the kids and see happy faces and think they're doing something right or? yeah absolutely so I mean it's not monitored in the traditional sense of monitoring but things like today for example it's the end of a six-week period um, so we are asking the children to give their feedback mm. and that feedback will then get looked at and obviously Mike and I, I will send it to Mike and we will you know assess from that but it also it's ongoing assessment when you've given um, anybody that ability to kind of um, be a little bit freer and be creative then they can um, they'll find it much easier physically to go and sit down in a classroom in the afternoon um, and concentrate and learn on something different um, but also the sort of social skills that this enhances and enables children to kind of develop completely translates being you know, sort of group learners and in the classroom. Mike explains that every child in the school experiences time on the marsh. So the children are out in the marsh uh, three mornings a week for forest school, um, but we also access the marsh for um, uh, in relation to other aspects of the curriculum. So, for example, this week it's called Spirit of the Marsh, and every class is out there all day, um, and they're learning... Um, uh, basically about fauna and flora, um, and then linking it to um, their writing. So they're, they're collecting rich vocabulary. Uh, there's a storyteller out there with them who's kind of invoking sort of 
ancient um, tales, etc. And and then they're bringing that back into the classroom for for their writing. So it links to pretty much every aspect of the curriculum from science to history to geography, you name it. But then also there's the kind of um, the sort of deeper uh, emotional skills and the and the kind of character traits which children acquire as a result of being outside. How does he find time in the curriculum for it? Yeah, well, there isn't um, actually anything. Uh, uh, there's no directives about how much time you have to spend doing anything really uh, within primary education. There's the there's the expectation that um, children uh, reach the expected standard or beyond, uh, and that they make uh, progress from their their starting points. And um, as long as you do that, um, and and you know, tick all the boxes with regards to reading, writing, and maths, then then essentially. Um, you can do what you like. Uh, but there's, a, there's a lot more freedom, I think, than people uh, usually realise. Um, and every time we've had an Ofsted inspection um, or you know any anything like that from from the government, they've always been um, really happy with with our provision and supported us in what we're doing. Back to my visit, I go outside the small house where the children are drying off after their walk and discover four Year Sixes plucking two pheasants. Two boys are sat by a fire, doing the plucking. Two girls hang back a little. A herd of alpacas stand bemused between us and the dense housing that surrounds three sides of the school. The girls tell me they don't really want to get involved, but are interested to see the process. The plan is to cook the pheasants, but the girls are undecided as to whether they want to eat them yet. I'm Lou Murphy, I'm the, I'm the manager of Forest School. You're the manager of Forest School? Yeah. At the age of? Ten. The boys explain to me that they don't feel squeamish about doing the work, that they have respect for the animal and eating it is not something they worry about. The girls make themselves busy collecting wood for the fire. Eventually, Alex Richards, the farm manager, comes over, guts the pheasant and cooks one of the birds with some honey and peppers. Eventually, after encouragement from Alex, the girls decide to eat some. It looks like it might be a knife, right? Yeah. Do you reckon you can do that? Yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah? So you're year six now, so you're off to secondary school next year. Yeah. How has it been at West Rise doing this outdoor curriculum, being out on the marsh all the time? And... Good. It's... I find it quite fun because like, you get out of lessons. Yeah. yeah. Do you not see it as a lesson then? Uh... Go for it. No. Alex has just uh, presented her with a piece of cooked pheasant. Do parents mind that children are sat doing this rather than algebra or spelling tests? Mike says not. Yeah, the parents love the marsh. So, I mean, it's a local um, area and it's, a, it's sort of becoming a nature reserve, really. And it's also a place for dog walkers because we open up the marsh to, to the local community. So a lot of the parents go over there and they fish. Uh, we've got some parents who shoot. Um, obviously, dog walkers, as I've already mentioned. So they already have an emotional connection to the space. But in terms of its connection to uh, the curriculum and the school, this is the reason why many of the parents send the children to this school is because they want their children to be outside on the marsh. They want them to be learning all of these uh, amazing skills. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're fully supportive. It's uh, about uh, just over a third now of our uh, pupils are eligible for the pupil premium. And it's in an area of um, social economic um, uh, deprivation. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of the kind of activities uh, that we provide to the children they wouldn't have necessarily otherwise um, uh, but I have to say as a community it's such a, a brilliant and supportive and very positive community it's, 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 it's a great place to be
Now, I know what you're thinking. This is all very well, but these kids need to get qualifications. They need to survive at secondary school, where the curriculum is extremely challenging. Well, Mike would argue he prepares them for all of that. His school is one of the top performers in the area academically. So um, this will be the third year in a row that we're the top <coughs> performing school in the SATs for reading, writing, math and spelling, punctuation and grammar um, in the local area um, and uh, in the top 5% um, for progress in aspects of the, um, of the SATs as well. So, yeah, we, we, we do have statistical evidence to support uh, the, the idea that teaching children in this sort of hands-on way does have a direct impact on their academic attainment. And it's partly because they feel excited about coming to school. Uh, it's also, I think, because um, they develop all of those traits that I talked about, like, um, you know, resilience, etc., which is an essential component to success. But, um, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're, that, that trend set to continue through to 2018 as well. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we do very well with um, all the exams, which I'm really happy about. After the cooking of the pheasant, Alex invites me to his workshop where he is working one-to-one -one with a student in year four who has struggled in the classroom with behaviour and attainment. These sessions with Alex have turned things around for the boy. We join them midway through a conversation they are having while gutting a pheasant, having just finished plucking it. You have to imagine an eight-year-old boy with a plucked pheasant in his hands in an old wooden shed facing a row of strung-up ducks and pheasants that have been shot that morning. Alex, in his work clothes, Weathered face red at his cheeks, mid-fifties in age, I guess, is preparing a knife on the workbench. The boy walks over. If you're squeamish, I should warn you that the next few minutes will feature some of the sounds of preparing a pheasant to eat. So let's join the conversation. It was the same with rabbits. Absolutely, absolutely. So that is why pheasant is really uh, not an animal that actually comes from this country. However... Yeah. It also brings in a lot of money for the countryside. Yeah. For people to shoot them. Do you know how much it is to shoot a pheasant? On no. A pheasant shoot? No. £35 per bird. That's brilliant. Alex takes the bird and begins to prepare it to be gutted. So we've cleaned her off as best we can. We can always touch it up later. Yeah. So the first thing we're going to do is cut the neck. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. Neck's done, yeah? Yeah. Because this is going to be ready for the... Have you ever eaten pheasant? No. Because you're going to eat this one. Am I? Yeah, you're going to take this one home. Lovely. Okay, so. That'd be nice. That's his neck off. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, dinner for my dad. It's his birthday today, actually. Oh well, there you go. So yeah. you're going to prepare this for your dad. Yeah. Right. Enough. Okay. So any idea what this bit in here is called? Um. It's called the crop. That's oh yes. That's they you store their food in it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why you see pigeons and pheasants walking yeah. round the road yeah. by the side of the road yeah. eating bits yeah. of grit. Yeah. Because it makes them up. So anyway, that bit's out, right? Yeah. So the next thing we're going to do is off with his feet, yeah? Yeah. So go on then, where you go? Crack on. Uh, where do you like these? Let me throw them on there. Okay, both hands just on the knuckle there. On that knuckle, in between the yeah. knuckle. That's it. Close it in. Go on in. That's it. That's one done. And do the next one. No more. Just in there. When I'm thin. Bearing in mind this lad's never done it before in his life. The boy then makes an incision in the bird and Alex explains the next step. Now, what we're gonna do is you can now it's up to you. You can do it or don't matter if you don't if you're not yeah. cool about it. I want you to put your fingers in there. Yeah. I want your nails to go up underneath the bone and I want yeah. you to bring them up to here. 
Yeah. Then I want you to slightly hook it. Yeah. And then you're going to pull it all out as one lump. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You confident with that? If I show if I show you this cockbird yeah. first, then you'll know it will smell a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Because obviously it's its guts, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So what we're going to do is go open that up. Okay, so that's the hole that you've made there in your bird. Yeah. We're going to put our finger in there. Yeah. Like that. We're going to put our fingers right up there and we're going to go like that. We're going to pull all that out. Like that. Okay. So, there. Any ideas what that bit's called? Uh, it's... It's uh, something that you've got. You've got one heart. of them. No, that's his heart. Yeah. There. There's his heart. Yeah. What a small heart that's got. That's yeah, its well liver. Yeah, smaller the bird, the quicker it heart beats, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And All right. And you know what you use? You know when, because I used to work in a slaughterhouse at Halsham. Yeah. And when we used to do this with a sheep, yeah. right, my job was to, these are called plucks. Yeah. Okay, so the lamb and the liver, uh, mm -hmm. the, sorry, the liver and the heart go together. Yeah. Because you can eat it. And then what I used to do was, with the sheep, you see this bit here, which is the intestine? Yeah, that's part of the stomach, isn't it? That's right. Now, what I used to do was, they used to nickname these called runners. Mm -hmm. And I, my job was to clean out the runners. Yeah. And then, you know when you have sausages? Yeah. That's what they make sausage skin out of. Really? Yeah, the runners from the is sheep. Is there the pheasants? No, they don't oh, use yeah. them for pheasants, only for the, for the sheep. Yeah. Yeah? Are you with me? So all that used to be used up again. Yeah. Yeah? So, do you feel confident you want to have a go? Um. Don't matter. Yeah, alright You want to have a go? I'll go, yeah. Go on in. Right, I'll be here to help you. And he did. He did it perfectly. And that boy's pride was clear in the biggest smile I've seen on anyone for some time. As Alex wraps the birds so the boy can take it home for dinner, I asked the boy if he could describe the scene in front of us, the strung up ducks and pheasants. Um, two male ducks, one female duck, um, male, um, two male pheasants and one female. How do you know which ones are male and female? Females tend to be um, less bright because the females um, tend to be less dull and the males are brighter so they can get them to mate with them. This is not a lesson that was put on for me. This is the everyday at West Rise. One moment the children are doing grammar practice, the next they are producing artwork on the marsh. They can be doing maths all morning and then gut and eat animals in the afternoon. Unlike so many schools, outdoor learning is not an add-on. Here it has equal status, time and respect. Alex explains that these outdoor lessons are partly practical. What I try to do is, is, is get the children to understand where food comes from, how it, you know, I, I do appreciate that some kids don't like the idea of animals being killed. However, you know, they need to also understand that there's, there is a way that it's done properly and humanely, uh, which allows them to eat meat. Mm. And, you know, so, and also husbandry with, with animals, you know, there's a lot that goes into um, children sitting down eating a steak and kidney pie, you know, and, it, and it's getting the kids to understand also there's a lot of work, you know, when they sit down to their roast chicken, you know, it doesn't just come out of Tesco's, um, people have to nurture them, feed them, look after them and get them to that process. But he also feels it gives the pupils something more. 
the important thing is the kids do get a sense of adventure, whereas they can be themselves try something and like, like you've seen today I, I try and push kids to the limit whereas they've got the choice if they want to do it mm. but I just try and beckon them just to just to overstep that mark because that just builds up their confidence later on in life mm. you know if everyone went through life thinking oh I don't want to do that or I can't do that or I don't want to do that or I don't want to taste that they'll never try anything in life and it's trust. I think children will tr trust you, and because the um, the actual teachers do an absolute uh, outstanding job yeah. um, within the education side of stuff. Yeah. I th like to think that uh, my my contribution to to the teachers and to the students and to the parents is what I do with the children is just try and pull out those hands-on kids, those kids that um, not could need building confidence, but um, how can I put it? Well, yeah, well, I suppose that's really it, you know, build, building confidence with individual children. It's Alex's view that if you only give a child an academic education, you deny them an education in life. And if you deny them that, then what have you really done to prepare that student for the future if they choose not to do something academic? In education, I've seen it, um, for working within it, you, you've got so many different types of children. You've got children which are really, really, really sit there in a mass room and they go dink, 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 and get it. Mm. And there's kids like when I was a child, you know, I left school with a grade four CSE drama. Mm. That's it. However, I ended up joining the Royal Navy. I've worked here. I've had my own business. I've brought three boys up. Oldest is 28, 25 year old, and an 18 year old. One's at uni, one works for a, um, a building company. Um, and the other one, it works in computers. So because of my practical terms, and mm. like when we got married, you know, 30 years ago to my wife who works here at the school, which is quite ironic, yeah. um, you know, before we worked here and we were hard up, I was able to just get in a car and go out and come back with 30 quid. Yeah. Because that's what it was, you know. Yeah. If I had to go and earn some money, I'd go into the woods with a chainsaw. I'd go and cut a load of logs. And that's where you get the kids with the practical yeah, yeah. element to give them confidence, to build their confidence, because they're not as good as the kids that can actually sit there, do maths and click it off and spell English, I'm dyslexic. Mm. You know, they're not conf But if you can get a practical kid and build his confidence, hopefully, when they get older and a bit hard up, yeah. which in society it is, you know, they can think to themselves, well, actually, I'm confident enough to go and knock on that door or go onto that building site and say, excuse me mate, you got any labouring work? Yeah. But if you've got someone who's practical, but shy and not confident, where are they gonna go? How are you preparing them for life? How are you preparing them for life skills? And a bit like when like some kids, when they go off to secondary school, you know, <coughs> they need to be confident. I like to think that at West Rise School, the most important thing is that the parents bring their children to school and they entrust me, when I do these sort of things, with the most precious thing in their life. Yeah. And I hope that I can contribute to that child's upbringing and education by building his confidence and doing things that maybe are not the norm. Mike feels the same. A single track academic education, he says, is not fulfilling an obligation to the children in a school's care. Actually, there's been a big 
change, particularly from Ofsted uh, recently, where they've been saying they're looking at the wider curriculum. And, um, and that's something we've always held on to at this school. And it's really about educating the whole child. So it's not purely the academic side of things. It's also the social emotional side of things as well. Um, and then in terms of um, what the provision can help children do, there's a, a really lovely ex-student who contacted me um, I think about a week ago who came to this school uh, a few years ago. She's now 18. And um, she was she had a really good connection with the water buffalo when we first got them, like a really major affinity. And she then went on to secondary school, then went to Plumpton Agricultural College, and she now runs a um, cattle herd of uh, 3,000 cattle and has her own flock of sheep as well. So the children going into the industry in terms of farming uh, and countryside management as a result of the provision that we uh, provide at this school. So, yeah, it's clearly clearly has uh, some some very wide uh, uh, and and varied um, and very positive uh, impacts on, on on children. But essentially, it's about developing the whole child. It's not purely uh, the academic side. Children leaving us, I want them to feel um, like they are totally embracing who they are as an individual. It's not about making everyone exactly the same. Um, but within that, um, I, I really want children to be able to leave us um, with greater resilience um, and uh, being able to persevere um, and to be creative and to be flexible and all of those sorts of qualities, those um, uh, the, sort of, um, uh, the, the education minister the other day talked about soft skills um, for the workplace and essentially that's what they are. They, you know, the workplace is going to be evolving and changing all of the time. So we need to uh, equip our children with these sorts of character traits so that they can move forward positively in life. So, um, and obviously, ultimately, that's with a view to them having a happy and fulfilling um, and really successful lifetime. I'll give the last word to the Year 4 student who was working with Alex. I asked him about what he liked about school and why those things he liked were important. His answer suggested that, at least for him, the approach of Mike and Alex is working. Uh, probably forest school and archery and all of that kind of stuff, really, because in class I'm not that good either. But on, on the outside of things, I'm, I quite like it because it's something that I'm actually good at.